HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. Learn more about the wonderfully tart Montmorency cherry at choosecherries.com. HRN is offering complimentary business memberships to 50 Black, Indigenous, People of Color-owned food businesses this summer. The deadline to apply is July 31st. Each business membership, a $500 value, is an advertising opportunity that will allow businesses disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 to connect with HRN's listening community and promote their work. To apply and review the terms and conditions, go to heritageradionetwork.org B-I-Z. Hey there, welcome to The Feed Feed, where we sit down with leaders and upstarts of the food media realm to discuss everything from navigating social media, building, engaging with, and growing a community, and producing content that resonates with young and old. I'm Jay Cohen, Editorial Director of The Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source of what to cook, bake, and drink. Today we have Matt Broussard. You probably know him better as a cook named Matt. He's not only a friend of Feed Feed and contributor to our TikTok, but he is a social media star between TikTok page of well over 2 million followers, YouTube, Instagram, everything in between. Thanks so much for joining us, Matt. Wow, man, that's uh, quite the intro. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, just, thanks for having me on here. No, really it's my pleasure. And what you do and all y'all's work. So this is going to be like a really, really fun and interesting conversation, especially for me, because I think that um, we're going to be able to talk about kind of food and food media and the concept of how social media plays into it almost in like live time uh, when we think about the like kind of just total takeover of TikTok recently um, and how that has been influencing everything. But before we get into that and like your TikTok, I'd love to know like from the beginning in terms of how you got into food and why. How I got into food. Um, Let's see. I, I was in high school. I was like 16 and I started working in restaurants um, just because I was interested Ever, I've been cooking ever since with my grandma. She showed me how to baste an egg pretty much. Uh, but yeah, I started in high school at 16. Uh, I liked working in restaurants. So after that, went to culinary school for like a year and uh, been cooking ever since, you know, all over Texas and then moved to Seattle, um, pop up to their dinners all over the country, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that's where it started when I was 16. So I guess I've been going for like, 11 years now 12 years i guess yeah just turned 28 (laughs) amazing and then so you pretty much were working on the line for that entire time or when when did you kind of make that transition off of the kind of like traditional restaurant life um two months ago wow so like super recent oh that's awesome um i've been creating content 
for like six, seven years now. Yeah. So I've been doing it while working in restaurants. It's been uh, quite a grind. Um, and uh, it's it's been pretty cool. Um, I've been making the videos and learning as much as I can from photographers, videographers, whether it's like a commercial shoot or just a friend, someone I met, um, all while working in restaurants. Um, up until two, three months ago, I was working at 15 restaurants all at once. Um, that's my chef owned 15 restaurants in Seattle. And uh, yeah, it was just a crazy job. You know, no sleep, keep pumping out content, you know, pop-up dinners around the country, stuff like that. Wild, wild. And so when you started making content while obviously working in restaurants, which is such a grind to begin with, um, yeah. what what was that format? Where were you producing it? Um, was it just for Instagram, for YouTube? What was kind of the idea? Uh, I'd say the main thing was Instagram when I was starting off, um, just because that's, that's what you may see on Instagram is food, the majority, I guess. Um, and uh, it started off with just me. And, you know, chefs were like, you know, they thought it was stupid and funny. And then they started catching on and asking me questions. And I, I would do things like trying to find different angles on the line. I would like kind of sometimes jam my phone up in the hood vents and start a live or, you know, any random little thing I could do here and there. Um, I, I just tried to capture as much as I could from the restaurant and, uh, I really enjoyed it. It became a thing that I just wanted to do full time. I just started doing YouTube videos not too long after that. And I think I changed my name to a cook named Matt, like on, I don't know, somewhere around 2016, just cause I thought I needed a good name to go with it. <laughs> yeah. It definitely was. I mean, there was that. I think that was the that was pretty much the year in which everyone started kind of creating social accounts and having like what their their name was um, right. at and all these, these fun. So new, right? I mean, I, I think I remember actually. I have a video somewhere in high school filming a burger video for YouTube and editing it on my iPod Touch. So it's it's crazy oh how it's super new, you know. It's not that long ago. For sure. So uh, I guess I do want to touch about like during that time in this kind of first push into media, um, which is I always like think is absolutely amazing to see, especially when people come from the restaurant world and then decide that like they want to branch into media. What what were your reference points? Who were you following? Um, what shows were you watching? What YouTube channels? Like what, what were kind of some of the, the key players in terms of inspiration? Right. Um, let's see. Well, I have friends that make movies, like actual like Hollywood films. So I got pointers from them. Um, so that was one. Like my buddy Rick down in Texas, he told me like what lights to buy. And uh, also, because I'm a fan of movies, I don't know if you know Robert Rodriguez. He, you know, edited films like Sin City and stuff like that. Um, really big fan of that director. And he uh, he posted some cooking videos. Well, sold them on DVD and they're on YouTube somewhere. But if you look up like Robert Rodriguez cooking, 10-minute cooking school, uh, I just really love the cinematic feel of his cooking videos. That sort of inspired me. Um, YouTubers like... Byron Talbot, I think, paved the way. And also I, I worked for Byron for almost half a year there, moved to LA and filmed and cooked with him. Good buddy of mine. Uh, but yeah, I think like he really paved the way for the cooking format on YouTube. And I feel like a lot of cooking YouTubers use his format today still. Um, but yeah, I would say just looking up to different movie directors and different friends that you know film cooking for a living they were like my reference points just holding them close pretty much and that's like a very zero to 60 mentality in the sense of having like legitimate film people kind of helping you figure out like what lighting setups what equipment to buy what was the learning curve in terms of all of a sudden going from editing on an, an ipod touch to 
uh, now having like professional equipment and in, in terms of hindsight, like how, how was that in terms of taking that on as a, as a, not only the, the cook in front of the camera, but the editor, videographer and everything in between. Well, uh, just like anything, I think it was just a gradual thing. I mean, from learning how an editing software works on an iPod Touch. Even when I moved to Seattle, I was editing on my iPhone because uh, I didn't have a computer when I moved to Seattle. Uh, you know, just it was like gradually learning. Then you know, starting off on you know a software like iMovie, which not really any use in uh, our industry. Uh, learning off of that, and then. You know, just learning from the the people in the big leagues. You know, um, it took time. This is something that's been building up for the six, seven year span. I've been doing it. Um, but just like anything, just pretend Google's your mom and ask her all the questions. You know, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, and then, in terms of what you were cooking when you first started, what would you say, like in terms of your style, your background? Um, what was the kind of narrative you were trying to tell through these videos? Right. Um, basically I was just trying to show what I was learning as a professional cook in the industry. That's basically it. Um, no like actual style to it, but you could say that I am very heavily influenced from Mexican cooking because just where I come from. Uh, but yeah, mainly that's all I was trying to do and still trying to do. Well, now I'm more leaning towards the home cooks because got to show them love, but just trying to like show what I know as a professional cook in a kitchen pretty much. Um, I think that's something that's really fun to do. A lot of people don't know and it, it really uh, struck a chord with me Like, because uh, one of our spots, one of the 15 spots I've worked at called Hot Stove Society in Seattle, uh, we would do hands-on cooking classes and uh, we would, you know, have people that work in offices like Amazon and stuff coming by to do their hands-ons with us. And it just blew me away, like, when I would show them how to do something super simple, like, I don't know, caramelizing onions or make a pasta dough. And they'd, they'd look like their world was changed. And I then thought I need to sort of dive deeper into this and maybe just show what I know at work every day, something I take for granted, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I, I love that. And we'll get into very much quickly that kind of conversation around the home cook. But when did you decide to jump into TikTok? Like, you mean jump fully in, or when did I start a profile? Like, when did you start a profile? When did you kind of get wind of it as an application or a platform? I started a profile when it was Musical.ly, and uh, Marcus Samuelson told me I should get on Musical.ly because Gary told me to. Um, and so I, I did. I jumped on it, and I made a couple Musical.ly's here and there, and then, like any new weird platform, you sort of forget about it, and then what was it like two months ago it started popping and that's when i actually jumped on tiktok and saw oh shoot i still have this profile because it used to be musically and i started posting so uh i would say serious serious about it two months ago crazy so we're talking about the pretty much the exact same time overlapping with like the pandemic and everything going on in the world and yeah. in I'm one way did it i talked about it i was I posted maybe like a couple things and they popped yeah. off into that, but I actually got serious about it a couple months ago. I think it was the pandemic. You're right. That really fueled it. And in what way did that, I mean, how did that affect in terms of, of did that play in any way of your desire to kind of jump out and step away from restaurants as obviously the world? Well, um, very, very, odd situation i was in um i was already talking to spiceology like a couple of months before this whole thing happened and um i was you know getting ready to to jump on and 
start with the team. And the day I gave my notice was the day they announced, well, my chef announced to everybody like, Hey, we're shutting down all 15 restaurants because of this virus. And, uh, it was just a weird situation. So technically I was laid off. Uh, yeah, it was very uh, crazy how that all happened at once. Yeah. And yeah. It, all of, so, I mean, it, it's one of the few instances in which that is like the, the kind of silver lining that you had a job lined up, um, for everyone who might not be familiar, like what is spiceology? Right. Uh, well, right now, they're just the fastest growing spice company, right? Uh, we're, we're all over. All, I only know them as like being in professional kitchens because we use them in all, all restaurants and restaurants I've been to in New York, we use them. But uh, I'm starting to learn that now they're in a lot of home cooks kitchens and they're actually in stores and stuff. So um, they're just a really awesome spice company that is by chefs for chefs and now for home cooks um it, it's just uh just imagine a company started by the people that use the product the most like what do we use the most right we use spices so um i, I just think it's really cool and also uh they have true cooks in the family too they have that i don't know if you know about true cooks but they're a, a really cool page check them out if you haven't on instagram and what is your role with the company? Uh, currently, I'm the chef content creator. And that I love because this is kind of one of these conversations mm -hmm. of, of like when you started making Instagrams in, in 2016, a job title like that probably wouldn't have existed. Um, yeah. It's crazy. What does that mean on like a day to day basis in terms of what you're doing with the spices? So it's been like zero to 60 real quick right now. Um, we've had tons of launches. Pretty much every week, it's just been launches of new blends. And my goal is to figure out how to show the best way to utilize these blends in a video and neatly package it so it's there for a home cook and also still inspire chefs in our industry. I love that. What um, what was your mentality then in terms of integrating the content you're creating with them and also just what you're making in general? The conversation is like, these are spices that chefs are using. Um, so in what way has that been just super easy in terms of integrating work and personal versus having a clear divide. I think that's something that that's super um, common these days in terms of finding those symbiotic relationships of content creators with the companies they work for. So what was that experience like for you? Um, it's super easy for me to show the utilization of the, the whole spices. What has been the challenge for me is uh, showing how to utilize a blend. Because, uh, I mean, you and I both know we don't use blends in restaurants. That's not a thing. Yeah. Um, it's been a real challenge, and uh, I've been learning a lot about how to uh, utilize these things. So uh, it's definitely helping me to grow. So what was the approach to TikTok in the past two months? This is something that's been one of my favorites to talk about on the podcast mainly because we're having like Michelin star chefs or, or huge food bloggers, people who own the space in terms of like print media or even digital media or Instagram. And now you're throwing in this new platform that everyone is clueless on. Totally clueless. I'm seeing people that have these ginormous followings on Instagram and they are just floundering on TikTok. Um, how would you define this application and its space when it comes to food content? Well, I think 
it all has to do with the person behind it. Like it doesn't matter what the platform is. Like if you could just figure out that there's less people on that platform right now. So that's why it's easy. Instagram, like four years, five years ago was easy, just like Facebook as well. And the more people got on it, the more people pretty much started to take their time putting content out. But basically you just have to learn like not to give a shit, just put it out. Like that, that's been what I've been doing every day these past months is just putting it out like as much as possible. Um, these past weeks, it's been like sometimes six, eight times a day posting, um, learning. Really? You're, you're posting six to eight times a day on TikTok? Yeah. Up until this week, it's been this week. Now it's just been like three to four times a day. But uh, uh-huh. these past two months on my entire growth spurt, uh, it's been like six to eight times a day on TikTok. And is each each video is that like a dedicated shoot in which you know what I'm going to cook this <laughs> or was it having this variety in terms of when you start to when did you start to see like specific formats stick? Right. I would love to know like what was that process like at first when you were just posting videos to when did you start to see like the ASMR or the flaky soul or for anyone who has not immediately gone to TikTok and looked at your account, like even the way that you have this signature way that you end it when you taste it. And it's just like very emphatic and uh, just, I mean, it's, it's a personality. And even if it's a short video, you're able to kind of get that across. Um, I have merch coming out on that, by the way, with my signature ending, but that's what I love it. Um, basically in the beginning, these last two months, I was just doing little recipes here and there. And I learned really quick. People do not give a shit on TikTok about the entire recipe. They don't care. So, uh, in, in, like in my mind as a chef, it's like, I got to show every single step. You can't miss any single thing, but, uh, on TikTok, it really doesn't matter, uh, because it's all about watch time retention, right? Um, as long as you're just putting it out. So I, I learned that people liked me cutting things because one day I was just like, screw it, I'm just going to cut an onion and uh, that popped off. So then after that, I cut an apple. And then there was this, uh, what was it? The cereal thing? Oh, the pancake cereal thing. That pancake was really cereal. Popular. And you did apple cereal. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to cut an apple really small and just put it in a bowl, pour some milk and call it cereal. So I did that and, you know, just starting to learn that it's a social platform so you gotta just you gotta be social with it you gotta listen to what's going on right so i basically started off like that and then i thought i don't want to do just cutting videos but that's what's helping so i'm gonna mix it into my recipe videos and i'm gonna format my recipe videos to where they're faster and they don't show every single step because then they'll get boring you also have to create a hook every couple of seconds to keep them on make sure your video is between 15 to 22 seconds like exactly every time um stuff like that um so yeah are are you editing everything outside of the app yeah i edit i i don't even know how to edit on the app it's very confusing to me I just uh, shoot it on my camera, edit it on Final Cut. That's it. 4K. That's so funny because I literally could not, I, I would have no idea how to do anything without the editing software within TikTok. And that's how I do every single one of my videos. And that's yeah. probably why. I can't. <laughs> um, but it's funny because this is also the first application or social media application that truly gives people those tools if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I have no doubt that the best people are all editing it separately, but like I'm also, I would ra- <laughs> I would rather have less followers and not have to learn another thing. Um, yeah. So, okay, you've, I mean, you've already just like shook me with the, your schedule, your ideal length. In what what were some of the other early on learnings once you started like separate from the, the chopping and seeing the things that people like to watch and, and making sure that you're still putting out the content that you want to, how did you then start to figure out like, what is a hook for every two, few seconds? Like, what does that look like in a, a cook name Matt video? 
Um, a hook could be changing the angle or uh, doing something really fast or a quick transition or a really loud noise or a stupid joke or a weird pun, stuff like that. And are you, are you, are you doing voiceover? It's, it's, I, I have gotten so into like the rabbit holes of like the different groups of TikTok content because there's this like, there's this whole realm of people who just have Apple headphones plugged in and they hold up the microphone to their mouth and like review things. <laughs> and then there's the, the obviously the dancers. And there's this there's this new girl that I'm obsessed with and she makes toast inspired by different movies. Wow. And that's it. So like a call me call me by your name toast with like peaches on it. Uh, and, and all these things that it's so absolutely ridiculous. Um, and that's been kind of the funniest part. If you think about um, I mean, we've been working, I've known Aton, I mean, Feed Feed has been literally friends with Aton since he was a child. Um, and his whole thing was he just like screamed at the camera and threw food up in the air behind him. And that was his hook at the beginning of every video. And it worked and it became known for that. And that's like now anytime I use flaky salt in anything, People, it's like the, the, the downfall of stan culture is people start coming after me that like I am infringing on your copyright of Malden Flake Salt. That's hilarious. What, um, what has been kind of your, as you started interacting with the app, what was the content that you were drawn to? What were your kind of the, the things, what does your for you page look like? Oh man. Um, the For You page is confusing to me. I, I don't understand how it works. I, I honestly don't spend my time scrolling through it as much as I should. Um, I'll just see kind of what my friends are doing, like uh, over the fire cooking with his really awesome grilling videos. He does mainly voiceover work. Um, yeah, I, I can't really tell you. I, it doesn't, I don't really look at the For You page too much. I was just trying to see like what the trending hashtags are and just see that and be like, okay, let's go. That's it. I love that. It's, he's just putting out whatever he wants to. What have been, what, what is your most viewed video? I have no idea, honestly. Um, I'll look at a video and I guess it'll have 10 million in a week, but I, I don't know. It's, I, I don't even scroll through my own feed, honestly. I just keep going. Um, even with the lives, I'll try to go live every now and then. I once, well, actually not once, but a handful of times went live when I was making stock. I'll just point my phone at the pot of stock and leave it on all night. And I'll have a little sign on it that says, watch my stock while I sleep. <laughs> just, oh, know, my God. That's, that's crazy. That's funny enough. Is like that's something that I remember an old boss always wanted me to do a, back when like Facebook Live was the thing. And um, he was like, I want to do bread rising and just have a, a live of the dough for hours. Yeah. Um, okay. Wow. Now, I mean, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm digesting all of this and the fact that, that you now have this huge following. You're obviously using it to direct people towards YouTube. I guess my, my next question is, what's the goal? The goal is uh, just to keep growing the YouTube channel, you know? That's the goal. Um, and is, the, is that because YouTube is, can be monetized? Like in Yes, definitely. Okay. So obviously you got to spread out your platforms just like with stocks, you know? Um, don't put it all in one. Um, and obviously I'm going to be driving it to YouTube because that's what pays right now. And uh, that would be the goal. So I can one day start my own kitchen studio whether it would be doing like hands-on classes or just using it for filming or maybe inviting guest chefs over whatever uh, that'd be really cool to do that's i mean that's a dream that's a dream that it's funny enough that like in the past few months has now become a real tangible reality um what is that like yeah it's uh it's actually really exciting and uh it makes me want to put out as much content as possible. 
So what is that, what is that in terms of your day to day? What does a day like look for you in terms of when you're in the office versus when you're home versus are you shooting these in the middle of the night, early in the morning? Uh, it's crazy um, because, you know, I'll get texts like asking for this video. Um, and then after a meeting, it's like we have this lunch coming up. We got to use these blends. So I'll have to focus around that. And then I'll make TikToks out of that YouTube video I'm making. And um, yeah, I'll just I'll wake up, maybe go for a run, come back, start, you know, have the coffee, do a live. Uh, it's very sporadic. I can't really tell you like a direct way my day goes. It's just either filming or editing, especially and right what, now. How long does it take to edit a video? Uh, well, it depends how, it depends on what I'm making. Like the next video, which I need to edit right now, will probably take me anywhere from three to four hours, just because it's a lot of footage and it's kind of technical. It's hot dogs. And is that, is that the edit for the YouTube? And then there's another one for the TikTok, or is that just for the yeah, TikTok? Yeah, TikTok takes like three minutes, maybe less. TikTok <laughs> is super easy. All right, that's, that's really good to know. Yeah, if TikTok, someone slam them out they're really easy to put out and that's the thing about it is it gets addicting and you kind of have to stop yourself because you're just constantly focusing on one yeah i mean i, I it's funny because i spent so much time the 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 past i don't know six months honestly uh focus on feed feeds tiktok and now only in the past like few weeks i have started focusing on my own and mm -hmm. I guess it's it's it was always super easy to kind of when it when it was the the company TikTok there was that able to divide yourself um, in the sense of this is everything that needs to get done. Obviously, it's not just my face on our TikTok, and we have this growing community, yourself included, of of people that we highlight. What? But as soon as I started doing it on myself, it, it became almost obsessive. Um, yeah. which I ended up having to like really just have to step back and understand like one is okay, one is not understanding like what, how I want to be seen on TikTok because it's the majority of videos that I love and that go viral are ridiculous. And it's people that are laughing at you because of something absolutely embarrassing that happened in your life. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, the best video would be if you like, you made a delicious cake and then all of a sudden you, like it falls on the floor. Yeah. Because, because people, people love misery. They don't, they don't want like these happy endings. They want something that's funny. Um, and I do find that TikTok is incredibly humor based. How have you incorporated that in your videos? Obviously you, you mentioned the, the hooks with puns, the, the concept of the, the endings and, and the kind of like, enthusiastic yeah, uh, eating it's definitely from the cutting videos and uh just doing ridiculous shit with it like um people for the longest time like just commenting chicken nuggets so one day i went out to mcdonald's i bought chicken nuggets came back slapped it on my cutting board and just started chopping them up into little pieces and that one i think that one like somewhere over 15 million views but you know, oh stuff like that, doing ridiculous things, like taking a, a Walmart birthday cake and cutting it on my birthday in the little pieces. Um, it's just things that are ridiculous like that, you know? And then in terms of like the comments, when we think of TikTok as a community of people and I mean, they're, they're children mainly. Um, mm. What that has been kind of a huge point in terms of your videos of giving them the opportunity to be on the platform by having their comment highlighted and you kind of doing their request. When did that start? And, and is that something that, that you saw kind of increased engagement? Yeah, I saw that it was a thing maybe 
like I said, two months ago when I started, I, I saw, oh, cool, you can reply to a comment. So I thought that was funny. And then I thought, oh, I could start asking people what they want to see. And then I could put in a video. And that really drove the engagement because people started commenting more of what they wanted to see. So uh, definitely drove engagement. You know, you get thousands of comments in a couple of minutes. So it works. Crazy. And what's next? In uh, terms of like, is it more, is there, is it the same on TikTok? Are you, as you're like, you talking, you mentioned merch, like what, what are the kind of the, the next steps immediately? Uh, well, yeah, obviously merch immediately. Um, and now it's just keep going um, until it becomes sustainable financially on its own. And I, I think one of one of my favorite things in terms of, of looking at, because uh, there are a few, I, I mean, the, the food TikTok community is relatively small. And luckily, it's like, I, I've, I, it's really fun to see everyone and see their growth. Um, it's like yourself, um, Jeremy Sheck, Nadia, the pasta queen, Aton. Good friends with her. She's cool. They're all great. And now all of a sudden I'm also seeing the trickle into Instagram. What has, how has that kind of increased your Instagram following? And has that been, uh, just what is that? What is the relationship between the two? That's crazy, man. Like, uh, so, so I've been on Instagram since the beginning of what I've been doing. And, uh, my engagement's never been this high on my Instagram. So uh, it's definitely trickled down. I think I, I grew like 30K followers in a couple of weeks on Instagram. And it's still going up. Um, definitely, I see other friends on TikTok that their Instagram is reaching almost a million. So it, it definitely moves the needle, you know? For sure. I mean, I... I... It's, I, I do think it's just still something that's so absolutely mind boggling. And when, and when you add on that extra level of like so many legacy food publications and gigantic chefs and food writers that have these huge Instagram followings that overnight within weeks can be eclipsed by people and the majority of, of people on TikTok that are producing food content, they're not chefs. They don't have a background like yourself. Um, and they're just all of a sudden the, these food authorities. Um, have you started to see people like make your recipes? I have. That's quite fun. I mean, I've also seen that since, uh, a couple of years ago, like when I made the duck prosciutto video on YouTube, there was uh, chefs in like Europe putting it in their restaurants. So it was always fun to see stuff like that. But now it's just like at a crazier scale, you know. This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. A cherry isn't just a cherry. When it comes to tart cherries, the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency Tart Cherry Variety is the cherry with more. They're available year-round, dried, frozen, canned, juice, and concentrate. U.S. Montmorency Tart Cherries are also one of America's superfruit, which means they're good for you. Tart cherries contain many antioxidants and beneficial phytonutrients, including anthocyanins, the pigments that give tart cherries their beautiful red color. And don't forget about flavor. U.S. Montmorency's unique sour-sweet profile makes them an excellent addition to yogurt, oatmeal, salads, trail mix, and of course, a classic cherry pie. Learn more about the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency tart cherry at ChooseCherries.com. What is your favorite thing in the food world right now in terms of, of like separate from TikTok? What are the chefs that you are kind of engaging with? What are the publications that you're reading? Um, where are you drawing inspiration separate 
if you're not mm. obviously scrolling on the for you page? Mm. Um, I I uh, don't really watch cooking content almost like at all on YouTube. I, I try not to actually. I, I feel like that uh, makes your content kind of stale. I mean, subconsciously, you're going to make it the same as any other. So I try to watch other things, you know, get inspiration from Netflix or get inspiration from other like different types of YouTubers as well. I, I feel like also collaboration with people that aren't even in your field is beneficial. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I get inspiration from other chefs I've worked with, other professional chefs like Chris Constantino, Dominic Cran, Jeremiah Tower, the you know, the godfather of American cuisine, um, stuff like that. Books, a lot of them, a lot of books. Um, yeah. What is, what's been your latest Netflix inspiration? <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, I would say Ozark uh, definitely oh. helps you create a hook for sure. You learn about it. I think that's a that's a really interesting parallel that I had never discussed before that I do find interesting that you bring up because that is one of the things as someone who has built a career around not just like picking out food trends but creating them I have this complete obsession with just general pop culture yeah television like just whatever whatever is of the zeitgeist um i just think that being aware and being in touch with that is just as important with being kind of in touch with your own specific industry um so i really 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 like that perspective yeah that's why i in most videos put on a pokemon band-aid on a cut i don't even have (laughs) wait hold up hold up hold up I just assume since you're doing all these slicing videos that you just occasionally nick yourself. Those are all you. Those are all fake cuts. Yep. <laughs> what was the what was the idea behind that? I, I like give me a little more background. The idea started with an actual cut. I did nick myself once, which that rarely happens, even at work. Um, and it happened, so I put on a like a Pokemon Band-Aid, and everyone freaking loved it. So ever since then, I was like, I'll just slap on a Band-Aid. Wow. Yeah. And w- what is it like talking to children? Like I've, I have, I'm having the most fun, especially on these lives of, of 11-year-olds asking me to just say their names. Like yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's so, like the concept of this is a Gen Z owned application is 100% true. And eventually it's like in the same way that, um, our parents ruined Facebook and no one's on Facebook anymore. And now millennials are on Instagram and Gen Z are on TikTok. Then millennials are going to trickle down into TikTok and eventually Gen Zers will find a new application. Um, What has that been like for you? Um, Very odd, but I've learned that you got to listen to them because what they're saying right now is definitely right. You should, uh, Take it with a grain of salt, of course, but uh, you should definitely take their most of their comments and um, try to implement them because a lot of things they say are pretty cool. What's are there any examples of the comments from some of your followers that you're just like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah, um, home cookie things. I never thought of. I guess like taking white bread and making a peanut butter and jelly and making a French toast out of it. I, I've never really done that. Someone that. asked for that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're wow. kids do this stuff at home. And it's just stuff you forget, I guess. Yeah. Really? Oh my God. I'm, I'm just, I, I truly do love everything about how um, nonchalant and just lighthearted TikTok is and in the the kind of larger conversation around food and the food world especially now it's this one kind of space of just levity and 
it's I, I think it's just it's, it's something and part of it's probably just because I don't fully understand it and you're just like along for the ride um, mm-hmm. of like all of a sudden it's like oh I put I mean I posted a, a TikTok with my niece doing the whipped cream challenge and it got over 2 million views and it's yeah, like it's cool. The, the idea behind the, that as a possibility is so wild. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's unlike anything else. Well, are, do you have any final thoughts or comments in terms of the world of TikTok or social or food media? I mean, it's, it's hot right now. So I would say just definitely keep posting as much as possible because it only takes one to pop, right? So that's why I'm posting as much as possible. So uh, just keep posting as much as you can and uh, at least one of them will pop off or if not all of them. In terms of like, if they don't pop off, do you ever delete videos that don't perform well? Nope. Love it. Love it. Um, okay, well, I mean, I, th- this conversation has been literally eye-opening. Now we are coming to my favorite part of the podcast, which is the lightning round. I'm just going to throw out a few questions, and they could be kind of just, they're just like short-form things to get your um, thoughts on different things in the food world. So the first would be, who are who's killing it on the gram? Who are some of your favorite people to follow on Instagram and TikTok? And it could be food or not food-related. Oh, shoot. That threw me for a loop. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really know, man. Um, I, I guess Chris Constantino. I love that guy. Love Chris Constantino. Uh, he's a great chef, if you don't know him, um, out of Portland. Yeah. He's doing really good things. Um, obviously, uh, Gary Vee's stuff. You always got to follow him, right? Yeah. There's this really cool chef named uh, Chris Cho. He's doing oh, his, stuff. His stuff is amazing. He started doing videos for us. We're obsessed. Yeah, I spent like an hour on the phone with him the other day. Uh, he's really cool. Uh, but yeah, and also I, I love to look at different um, Game Boy mods on Instagram sometimes. That's a lot of fun to see. <laughs> I love it. Um, when was, and this would obviously probably be pre COVID last time you were really floored by a meal at a restaurant. Floored by what? A meal, like a meal that really just like blew you away. Shoot. Oh, wow. Um, well, I'd say one of my favorite chefs in Seattle, uh, chef Desi's duck fat hush puppies with the duck liver pate. That's freaking delicious at Carlisle room. Um, or another chef, chef Brock in Seattle from Dahlia lounge. He did uh, these really dope tamales that were inside of squash blossoms instead of corn husks. Uh, that was really dang. Um, I love it. Yeah. Definitely uh, Oriental Mart Express at Pike Place Market. Those Filipino women are amazing. They just got a James Beard. Really proud of them. Incredible. Um, what was, what's been your favorite, I'm not going to say favorite, but what have been some of the, your favorite recipes you've made for YouTube so far? Well, it's probably the ones I make for family meal all the time at work, or I guess used to. Um, like the sheet tray pizza. That was a lot of fun. Um, I, I really enjoyed making a video about that. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't even remember what I posted recently. I've just been posting so much. Um, <laughs> I, I guess now I'm starting to do fast foods because people are asking for that. That's a lot of fun. I just did a, I did a Panda Express one. I did, oh yeah, Goldfish. That was a lot of fun, actually. That was probably one of my favorites so far is uh, making your own goldfish. Love it. Yeah. Is there, is, there an, is there an ingredient or anything in the food space that's really exciting you right now? Um, mm-hmm. Can be literally anything. Could be a tool, a, techni- a technique, could be anything. Uh, I'm really in love with my hibachi right now, even though I bought it like three years ago. 
in Little Tokyo, uh, LA, if you guys aren't familiar with Little Tokyo. Uh, yeah, I'm really in love with the little hibachi. It's a lot of fun. Um, I might do a YouTube video on that. Um, yes, you should. I love that. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, um, <laughs> we play a game of Fuck, Marry, Kill. Um, obviously not with people, but with things relevant to the guests. Um, for yours, I, I was going to go two different routes. So I'll let you pick. Um, you can either do Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, uh, or you could do flaky salt, fried egg porn, um, or seared steak. Uh, let's do the socials. Let's do it. Uh, what were they again? It was Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Let's see. I would do marry YouTube, kill Instagram, but TikTok. There you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, Matt, this is so great. I mean, I think it, it's, I'm so excited to see everything that's going on and it's only just the beginning. So thanks so much for kind of sharing a little bit of wisdom with everyone. Well, I really appreciate me appreciate you for having me, and uh, I mean you're really good at this. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, listen, I like you said. I think it, the concept of surrounding yourself with people that you can learn from is the like most incredible thing that anyone can do. And just in this hour, I feel like I have learned so much about a platform that I scroll through unfortunately about two hours a day according to my phone analytics um so i can't wait to kind of stay tuned for the ride and and keep chatting and hopefully in person once COVID's yeah, all done for sure yeah let's be in touch awesome thanks everyone so much for listening to learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is the feed feed head to thefeedfeed.com be sure to follow us on instagram at the feed feed and myself at jay cohen and of course matt on all platforms at a cook named matt um, if you have a tip on who the next social media culinary star will be send us a dm i will see you next time The Feed Feed is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.